the birthplace of flamenco, fortified wine, and amazing tapas bars. This week, we're in Spain's Sherry Triangle. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson, and welcome to the Destination Eat Drink Podcast. With winter's chill still embracing much of North America and Northern Europe, people are looking for a sunny escape. And southern Spain is one of the top choices. But instead of the Costa del Sol, where sun worshippers flock to the tourist results on the Mediterranean, we're on the Atlantic shore in the so-called Sherry Triangle in the province of Cadiz, which also has great beaches, but the tradition of flamenco, sherry bodegas, and tapas make it a great destination. So let's eat. What to eat? Hey, you gonna finish that? On Destination Eat Drink. There's more information about the Sherry Triangle in southern Spain at DestinationEatDrink.com, including lots more great places to go, things to do, places to eat, and places to drink. Plus, there's links to all the places that I talk about in this podcast. Check it out regularly. I'm constantly updating it with more great foodie locations. Now, before we get started on the food of the Sherry Triangle, let's define where exactly it is, because a lot of folks aren't familiar with it. When they think of southern Spain, thoughts immediately go to the Costa del Sol, which has all the beaches on the Mediterranean and the giant resorts where northern Europeans flock to worship the sun during the harsh winter. But the southern Spain coast is actually much longer than the Costa del Sol. If you imagine the entire southern Spain coast, it's basically divided in half at the Rock of Gibraltar. The east side is the Costa del Sol. The west side isn't on the Mediterranean, it's on the Atlantic Ocean. And this is where the Sherry Triangle is located, on the Atlantic Ocean side of southern Spain. The origins of tapas, Spain's famous food, is hazy, and there's lots of legends regarding how tapas came to be. One of the craziest has the members of the Spanish Inquisition feeding people ham in order to confirm that Jews had actually converted to Christianity. But since we're in the Sherry Triangle, which is in the province of Cadiz, here's a story from that area. King Alfonso XIII stops into a bar in Cadiz and orders a glass of wine. But when the wine arrives, the glass is covered with a piece of ham. This is to prevent the sand from notoriously windy Cadiz and the beaches from blowing into the glass. The king enjoys it, and he orders another glass of wine, this time with quote-unquote tapas, or a top. In reality, tapas was probably an invention all over Spain because fruit flies often get into the wine, and so a cover was needed to keep the bugs out. So people would use plates, bread, ham, anything that they could find as a cover to the wine to keep those bugs out. Today, there's tapas restaurants all over Spain, of course, all over the world, but some of the best are in the province of Cadiz and the Sherry Triangle. 
By now, almost everyone's familiar with tapas, these small plates of delicious food that are served in Spanish restaurants. In Puerto de Santa Maria, there's tons of tapas bars. Puerto de Santa Maria is one of the main towns of the Sherry Triangle, and they are on the river that leads to the Atlantic Ocean. And along the waterfront, there's tons of tapas bars there. Most specialize in seafood. Fried squid is a specialty, shrimp, and anchovies. So many anchovies. But my favorite tapas place in Puerto de Santa Maria is Bespoke. Uh, of course, you can get fresh seafood dishes there, but they do a modern twist on tapas using non-traditional ingredients like wasabi. And best of all, Bespoke offers sherry cocktails. We'll talk more about sherry later on in the podcast, but know this, uh, sherry cocktails are not a common occurrence in most Spanish tapas places, but at Bespoke, you can get wonderful sherry cocktails. Now, not everything is tapas in the sherry triangle of southern Spain, although it's really hard to beat an evening strolling along the riverside in Porta de Santa Maria and dropping into two or three or six or eight little tapas bars, having a small plate and a glass of sherry in each one. But when I'm in Porta de Santa Maria, in addition to the tapas, there's one dish that I always have to try, and it's not even Spanish. It's crescentina which is a fried dough. Um, it's probably originated in Bologna, Italy. And you can top your fried dough with prosciutto, cheese, vegetables, anything you want, really. And the question might be, well, what's Crescentina from Bologna, Italy doing in Porta de Santa Maria? Well, this restaurant, Blanca Paloma, is owned by Italians, and they do the best Italian food in the region, and they have Crescentina on the menu, and it's wonderful. I try it whenever I go to Porta de Santa Maria. They deliver too, so if you're at an Airbnb and you don't feel like going out at night, you can get them to deliver. But really, half the fun is sitting outside on a warm Spanish night and watching the Vespa delivery driver zip in, grab a half dozen pizzas, and zip out again to make more deliveries in Porta de Santa Maria. And one last thing about eating in Spain. You've heard that the Spanish like to eat late. Well, it's true. Nine o'clock at night is really the absolute earliest that you want to go out, especially in the summer. If you go out anytime before that, you're just going to be eating with tourists. Even on a weeknight, I vividly remember sitting in a restaurant with midnight approaching and parents with young children, grandparents, walking in to sit down to dinner at almost midnight on a weeknight. So take a nap if you have to, but get out late at night to enjoy the scene in uh, southern Spain. Want to drink? I'll have another on Destination Eat Drink. Subscribe to the Destination Eat Drink podcast wherever you get your podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, on your phone's app, or at radiobisfits.com. And remember, if you enjoy the podcast, be sure and rate and review it on iTunes. Well, they don't call it the Sherry Triangle for nothing. The area around Jerez, Porta de Santa Maria, San Lucar, they produce Spain's fortified wine called sherry.
A lot of people aren't familiar with sherry, or they think of it as just an overly sweet drink served after a meal, popular with their grandparents, or maybe your point of reference for sherry is the Frasier TV show, where Frasier and Niles would often enjoy a glass of sherry pompously sipping it. But sherry has a long, long history in Cadiz, uh, the province where the sherry triangle is located. Wine was first made there 3,000 years ago, but they didn't start making sherry until the Moors invaded Spain from North Africa. The Moors introduced the distillation process to Spain, which is ironic because the Moors were Islamic and Of course, alcohol is prohibited in the Islam religion, but they did distill liquor to trade with non-Muslims, and this is how how distillation was introduced into Spain, and shortly thereafter, sherry was born. The way you make sherry is you distill some finished wine into a liqueur. And you add it to wine barrels where some of the wine has evaporated. You do this over the course of a year or several years, adding in the distilled wine to the finished wine until you make the sherry the desired taste and alcohol level that you're looking for. When you visit Cadiz and the Sherry Triangle, you'll notice that many of the bodegas in this area have English and Irish names, like Osborne and Terry. They're two of the most famous sherry makers, and Osborne and Terry certainly aren't Spanish names. They're English names. In fact, Osborne is probably the most popular sherry maker in all of Spain. You might have seen advertisements for Osborne without even knowing it. If you drive around in Spain, you see these giant silhouettes of bulls on the roadside. There's no words printed on these billboards, but everyone knows them as advertisements for Osborne Sherry. And that's because Osborne is so popular, they don't even have to put the name on it. People know it from the logo alone. And the reason why there's these English and Irish sherry bodegas is because Sir Francis Drake sacked Cadiz in 1587, terrorizing the town and stealing um, loads and loads of sherry taking it back on his ship back to England. And at that point, in the late 16th century, sherry became wildly popular in England. So immigrants left the UK, went down to southern Spain, and started making sherry themselves, which is why people like Osborne and Terry ended up there. Now today, of course, most sherry makers are Spanish, and you'll see Spanish names uh, associated with the bodegas, but still... This tradition of uh, English uh, bodegas in southern Spain persists. And visitors are welcome in many of the bodegas, and they offer tours in English. A tour is a great way to learn about how they make sherry and all the different kinds. There's several different kinds, ranging from the light-colored to the dark-colored, from the dry fino to the aged Oloroso to the sweet Pedro Jimenez. But a word of warning, if you do go on one of these sherry tours, and it's a lot of fun, you should, um, don't do like I do and book the very first tour in the morning. Trust me, it's kind of difficult to force down shots of sherry at nine o'clock in the morning. Visiting a sherry bodega is a lot of fun, but my favorite way to enjoy sherry is in the characteristic Tabancos in Jerez. Jerez is another town in the Sherry Triangle. And these little bars, 
you might think of them as tapas places, but really calling them tapas is selling the tabancos short. They're a unique kind of place found only in Jerez. And tabancos evolved from shops centuries ago. They sold wine and other goods like tobacco, which is where the the term tabancos comes from. Today, tabancos sell sherry by the glass, but also in bulk. You can bring in a jug and they'll fill it up right from the barrel with sherry and then charge you for it. And you walk home with a giant jug or whatever bottle you happen to bring in full of sherry, which is a really fun way to do it. Um, the other thing is at a lot of tabancos, they will give you a glass of sherry. They'll serve you a glass of sherry directly from the barrel. So it's a lot of fun to order one from uh, way up. <laughs> you know, these barrels are often stacked and watch the sherry dribble down into the glass. Tabanco Plateros is the best example in Jerez of a tabanco. You can get a glass of sherry straight from the barrel along with some tapas, but the best way to order the sherry at Tabanco Plateros is by getting a tasting flight. You get five little glasses of different kinds of sherry, and this is a great way to sample the dry, the dark, the sweet, the dry sherries and find out which is your favorite. They've got a great atmosphere there, and the tables spill out onto the street. They're always packed with happy customers, and occasionally Plateros will also have flamenco performances. If sherry isn't quite your thing, how about uh, Tinto di Verano? Literally, this means red wine of the summer. Tinto di Verano is often shortened just to Tinto, and there's many variations on Tinto, but the simplest is a light lemon soda or maybe a 7-Up mixed with an equal part of red table wine. The vintage is unimportant. Tinto served over ice, maybe with a slice of lemon. Sometimes you'll see a splash of rum added to the Tinto, but the basic recipe is lemon soda and red table wine. Now, when I describe that Tinto to you, you might um, your thoughts might immediately go to sangria, which is similar, but here's the key difference. Sangria is made with wine, fruit juice, fresh fruit, sparkling wine, or soda. It's often served at restaurants, but Tinto is served at family gatherings or sometimes in dive bars. My kind of drink. I first stumbled upon Tinto at a local flamenco performance. We saw this handmade sign in Porta de Santa Maria advertising flamenco that night. So we jotted down the address and we arrived later that night to find that the building wasn't a performance hall, even a club or a bar. It looked like what I can only describe as maybe a Spanish version of a VFW or a rundown hotel ballroom. Folding chairs had been haphazardly arranged to face the makeshift stage, and there was this small bar in the back. The place was packed with customers ordering drinks at the bar before the performance began, so I asked Karen if she wanted a drink, and she said she wanted a glass of wine. So I trotted back there, waiting my turn, only to see that the bar was packed, and the only way to get a drink was to muscle your way to the front. Everyone around me, I hear him ordering Tinto, Tinto, Tinto. I had no idea what it meant, but the bartender looked straight at me and I panicked and said, Dos Tinto, por favor. And the bartender poured half a can of 7-Up over a glass of ice and then filled it up the rest of the way with some red wine. And he did the same for the second one, half a glass of 7-Up over a glass full of ice and started pouring the wine, but 
realized after an ounce that the wine bottle was empty. So he grabbed another bottle without any uh, concern over what the vintage or even the grape variety or the winery was and poured that in over the same glass of wine to top it off. So you can see uh, it's not about the wine. It's more about the refreshment. We enjoyed way more than one Tinto that evening watching the local flamenco performance. And now on summer evenings, Karen will also say, who wants a Tinto? And I'll always answer, dos Tintos, por favor. Things to do and places to see. I don't know. What do you want to do? On Destination Eat Drink. I'm Brent Peterson, and if you have a question or comment about anything you've heard on the podcast, you can contact me directly at Facebook, Destination Eat Drink, or on Twitter at Eat Destination, or on the Destination Eat Drink website. Just click on the About and Contact tabs. A lot of people, when they think of flamenco, they just think of the Spanish dance with a lot of heel stomping, but in reality, it's so much more than that. Flamenco is an important part of Spanish cultural heritage. And you can see flamenco performances with singing, dancing, guitar playing all over Spain. But for an authentic experience, you must see flamenco in its birthplace of southern Spain. Many bars and restaurants have flamenco performances, especially on the weekend. And Jerez has a flamenco festival from mid-February to early March. Performers descend on the city from all over the world to be a part of it, but beware, during this time, hotel prices spike. There's also an Andalusian center for flamenco in Jerez, and if you're looking for a flamenco performance, you can stop in there and ask about local flamenco shows. But I find the best way is to walk around the city and keep your eyes and ears open. Like I said, we happened upon a wonderful flamenco performance just by spotting a flyer on a wall, and I'm not sure, but I think we were in the audience, we were one of the very few people that weren't direct family members or close friends of one of the performers. It was a wonderful experience, and I recommend it highly. Um, another day, we were just wandering around the city of Cadiz and heard some flamenco music coming from a nearby building. It turned out it was a small flamenco school, and they were rehearsing for a school event, a public performance, I don't know. But we watched through an open window for 30 minutes while the students perfected their routine. And speaking of Cadiz, when I mention Cadiz, it's both a town and it's the name of the province where the town of Cadiz and the nearby towns of the Sherry Triangle are located. Cadiz is a town definitely worth exploring. You can get a bus there from Porta de Santa Maria, but that would be missing half the fun. Cadiz is a peninsula, but they call it an island, and the most fun way to get there is by taking a ferry from Porta de Santa Maria over to Cadiz. It's cheap. Uh, it costs like three euros to get over there, and you get wonderful views, and you land right in Cadiz. It's worth walking. or You can walk around the whole peninsula in probably an hour. They also have great tapas restaurants like El Faro. But Cadiz might be uh, most recognizable from the beach La Caleta. In the James Bond movie, Die Another Day, this is the beach where Holly Berry slowly emerges from the water wearing that orange bikini. 
And speaking of beaches, one of my favorite beaches is in Porto Sherry, which is just outside of Porta de Santa Maria. Porta de Santa Maria is up the river a little bit. Uh, Porta Sherry is right on the Atlantic Ocean. And Playa de la Morella is a beautiful crescent-shaped protected beach right on the ocean. And next to it is Restaurant Blanca Paloma. This is owned by the same folks who own Blanca Paloma in Porta de Santa Maria. And they have outdoor tables with umbrellas to shelter you from the sun just overlooking the Atlantic Ocean. It's a beautiful spot, and it's the place to grab a morning espresso and maybe a quick lunch and then flop on the beach for an afternoon if that's your thing. Or if you prefer camping, there's a great spot just over the river in Porta Sherry, um, uh, Las Dunas de San Antone. And this is a place where you can camp, but it's also a beach. So camping on the beach, pretty sweet. Tips and inside information on Destination Eat and Drink. In addition to the podcast and the Destination Eat Drink website, I'm also a writer of fiction. My novel, Truffle Hunt, and my collection of short stories called That Bird are both available at Amazon.com or check out DestinationEatDrink.com and click on the About tab. Jerez and Cadiz are small cities with populations of about 200,000 and 100,000 respectively. Porta de Santa Maria is smaller than Cadiz and Porta de Sherry is smaller still. There's not extensive public transport, but there is bus service between the towns. It's regular and reliable. Seville is the biggest city in uh, Andalusia, and it has about 700,000 residents. This is a good way to get to the area. It's an easy flight from anywhere in Spain. A lot of places in Europe also have connections. And then it's just an hour drive by car or by train to Jerez. Most of the big sherry bodegas have U.S. distribution, so there's no need to ship bottles back home. But if you find a bottle you simply cannot do without and it's not available in the States, I suggest packing a bottle or two in your luggage. There's this product called Wine Wings, which is bottle-shaped bubble wrap. You slip your bottle inside. It has a, uh, it has a zip on the bottom to uh, make it, the bottle secure, and then a Velcro tab on the bottom for extra security. If you don't get wine wings, you can wrap your bottles in dirty laundry. I've done this in the past, and it works well. Just be sure that you give plenty of padding in your luggage. Think about guys tossing bags onto those carousels or onto the plane, and you can imagine a bottle breaking, which is a great way to ruin your clothes and ruin your vacation. So pack well, and when you get to the United States, make sure you declare the bottles that are in your luggage. That's because you're allowed one liter of wine duty-free coming into the States, but more than that, you have to pay a duty of cheap, like two or three dollars per bottle. And it's worth it to declare. A lot of times the custom agent will just wave you through. They don't want to bother with the paperwork. But if they do charge you, it's only a couple of bucks. And that's a much better option than trying to sneak a bottle through, getting caught and having to pay a hefty, hefty fine. Finally, dining out, especially at tapas restaurants, is a social affair. Stand at the bar chat with your neighbors. These may become your good friends, and these folks can often tell you where the good tapas places are to go. In fact, they may even invite you as they 
pop from tapest place to tapest place, enjoying small plates and a glass of sherry in each place. So make the most of it by sampling as many different tapest places as possible. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. We drop a new show each and every Friday. Next week, I'm off to the live music capital of the world. Austin, Texas. I'm Brent Peterson, and Destination Eat Drink is distributed by Ed Silla and is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Talk to you next week. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.